Okay, here we go. The Planet Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio dial. The Planet Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. And in all seriousness, uh, we do have sponsors. We have uh, several. IBM. <laughs> anyway, okay, they're not, they're not involved. Dr. Robert Leonard is, though, and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates with Dr. Matthew Lepresti, the main surgeon. He's awesome. They're all awesome down there. I have hair, you'll notice. Go ahead, look. Say that. And where did that hair come from? My own head. And it's thanks to Dr. Robert Leonard. Six locations in New England, 1-800-GET-HAIR. You get a free no-obligation consultation, and they can help you, all right, with your bald issues. And they will. And they're great people. And uh, in 2003, I had my hair permanently replaced by my own hair. You know, well, they don't get it from a yak. You know, and they get it from your own head. Why not? And uh, it's perfect now. Thank you very much, Dr. Leonard. 1-800-GET-HAIR. And our newest sponsor is uh, I, I have this friend, Jimmy Dietz, and he owns three tremendous restaurants. And I said to myself, you know, we got to get some gift certificates for our guests that come in. So let me call Jimmy Dietz, see if I can get him to contribute. And believe me when I tell you, Joe Fish, legendary in North Andover and now in North Reading. And his new restaurant is called Dos Lobos. And it's Mexican cuisine with about 4 million kinds of tequila. <laughs> so Dos Lobos, uh, 303 Main Street, North Reading. Also, a new sponsor of the Planet Mikey podcast. We have a, a very, very special guest in here. And this is a guy, I don't get to say this very often. This is a guy that nobody doesn't like, at least not as far as I know. People who worked with him, with me at WEEI and Intercom, people who watch him with his stand-up stuff, all of his friends at Barstool. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Thornton in the house. Mikey. How you doing? Mikey, good to see you, you man. You look exactly ben the Smitty. same. Jesus, you guys! You know I follow you, sons of bitches, through the gates of hell. But I, I seriously, well, I, I was, you gotta install them you first. Did. Welcome. Yeah, I was. Uh, truth be told, I was up the street and I asked these guys, "Where do you go to get high around here?" And they pointed out this building, <laughs> and you guys were in here with the microphones and the headsets and, go, and all the other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so everything good with you? Everything's fantastic, and it's great to be here in your little uh, sex dungeon that, a, that yeah, you got. I'm, yeah. I like the nipple clamps, and this is no, this is this is. You you look great. Your hair is amazing. I need Dr. Robert Leonard to. Uh, you know you don't have any hair problems. No, I don't. But I I would like. Could he put in facial hair? <laughs> sure. Like I tried to grow a Julian Edelman like playoff beard. Mm -hmm. This is six months. Can wow. you see it? If you, no, like, no. if I put the lamp up no, behind it, no, I really it, no. can't see it. Yeah, testosterone is not for everybody. Yeah, you're a baby-faced motherfucker. What can you say? I am. It's pure pure gray. It makes but you I'm look gonna, young. I listen. I'm going. I'm going gray. I have a thing about. Hair, I think you can you can shave it off. You can cut it. You want a transplant? This is America. No, no dying. No dying. Your hair. No comb overs. No, you never did no. the comb over thing. No. You never tried to hide the bald spot well, or whatever. comb overs are silly because the first thing everyone notices, and Ben noticed this about one person that we worked with, Ted Sarandis. Uh, <laughs> I've never met Ted Sarandis. Oh, if you would, the first thing you. But there was that other. There was that other guy we worked with with the horrible comb over, and he literally took a spray can to his head and sprayed the bald spots. 
Who was oh, that? Oh, right. That was, one of the sales guys. Remember that? I don't that, remember his name. Oh, that was terrible. The was greatest infomercial of all time was the was the spray um, hair uh, paint or whatever. Yeah. And it was just, you could tell, like, sitting there on TV, it's, okay, if there's th- this is skin colored. Right. They spray it so it's hair colored. That doesn't mean when well, you're looking at this guy in person right, right. that it's going to all of a sudden form follicles. The problem <laughs> was it wasn't hairspray. It was Flex Seal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And it came from that guy's boat with the sharks. <laughs> you know what's weird, though? The, you, the, can, you can the, take your screen door and your hair, and you can convert them into this rowboat. Dr. Leonard doesn't do that stuff. He no. doesn't do any of that stuff. But I, the, there are people who still get toupees. Uh, and I, I knew really? this one guy. I mean, he looks like he looks like he walked into a restaurant and took a portobello mushroom, stuck it on his head, and walked out without looking in the mirror. I mean, his 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 toupee is so ugly. Like like Maury from uh, Goodfellas. Yes, <laughs> it people, starts flopping off when when De Niro's choking him with a. Do you piece think of I look like rope. him? A lot of people no, always say no. you look like Maury in Goodfellas. They say that to me all the time. If you didn't have those those locks, I would say you yeah, you look a like a California raisin with a nice head of hair. Thank you. You're welcome. Yep, you walked in here, and I I thought Sasquatch. It was the first thing. We're in the woods in a house, and I said, "Good thing we had all this beef jerky." But look at me, though. I am so ready to play the stunt double of Joe Cocker in a movie. Oh no, wait, Uh, or Charlie Manson, right? Oh, you could be in the Tarantino film he's making. See that with Margot Robbie? You already have the swastika too. Jesus, there's another guy I could play now. Jesus. Mm, Jesus. Oh, no, old Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus with a 30-year alcohol problem. You know, I think they should make a movie. Tell me what you think I'm it turning is. more water into wine. <laughs> yeah, the, the cross can wait. I have an idea for a movie. Tell me what you think of this. I'll give you the quick version. They, <laughs> J- Jesus' sister comes down this time to, to fix the problems that haven't been fixed. It's his sister, Judy Christ. And she comes down, and instead of doing... Standing on a rock and multiplying fish and loaves of bread, she has you know press conferences on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. What do you think, Judy Christ? How about how about it's Jesus's sister, but instead of forgiving people for things, she just waits until the next major holiday and then brings it up and complains about it. You know? right. And like, sleeps yeah. with everyone. Listen, you know, he might have died for your sins, but what you said to me last week was unforgivable. Right. And she can only work miracles three weeks a month. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I'm going to ask Jerry Thornton you are not some, some biographical stuff. Oh, You were at yeah. WEI. You joined the wildly popular Dale and Holly show. Yes. And by the way, they needed they needed to you know to get some funny life into the show. I totally agreed with that move. But two years later, you left. Yes. Tell people how that happened, why that happened, what was the chronology? Yeah, I took a crazy approach to the whole thing, which is to be completely upfront and public about the entire thing, which I had heard from people in radio that the process is the most debilitating, just soul-sucking, enervating process you can ever go through, where they will sit down and just to hammer a few extra hundred dollars out of a person will tell them, you're terrible, we don't need you, whatever. I got none of that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was nothing but positive. We like this. We just want more of that. You know, I was writing for the website. They liked the page views and all that stuff. Yep. And when it came down to the end of my contract and they said, okay, here's here's what we're offering you, I was totally happy, and it was a tiny raise. Well, I had been in the good graces of Barstool, who while I was at EEI sold out to Churning Group mm-hmm. for 
many, many millions of dollars for 50% stake in the company. Right. And sort of floated to them and said, would you be interested? Just because a guy has to have options, sure. you know, if I were ever to come back. And the answer was, oh, hell yeah. Like, do the things you did before? Yeah, full-time? Yep. yep. Would you go to New York? You don't have to. And you were one of the original four horsemen of that company. I was, back when we were just a newspaper with almost no online presence. I was always proud of what they did. I always felt in, in ownership, and I mean that from an emotional standpoint, not like, a, hey, where's well, my stake in the company? Involvement, too, though. You, yeah. were, you, were, you were, It was you and El Presidente and two other guys. Two other guys, right. And we grew and grew, and I stuck with it when these other guys dropped out because I thought, you know what, maybe this will turn into something. And I worked there for years for no money without complaining because we weren't making money or we were, but Dave was losing it at the track or whatever, you know, college basketball. That's that's uh, how it how it goes. And I know that it directly led to me being at EEI and changed my life. I had a cushy job with the state for 17 years. I couldn't be fired from my job. I had union protection and crazy amounts of vacation time and a Maybe a pension waiting for me and all the stuff. You were the head plumber. And yeah, no, the the plumber looked down at me. I was I was a badge monkey at a courthouse. You know, all rise. Right, that was right. mine. I I wrote that. Like um, Whitey's brother. Yes. And by the way, to tell you how low the prestige is on that, no bachelorette party has ever hired a guy to come strip as a court officer. You know, like <laughs> like I thought, you know, maybe I'll come out with like a Herald in one hand and a Dunkin' Donuts in the other. Just, did somebody say all rise? Uh, 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 uh. No, nobody wants that. They would rather have a guy in a Dunkin' Donuts uniform than a court officer thing. Sure, but, sure. So I was able to leave that and come to EI, and I would have been happy to make it a career. Barstool just, I, again, I, I suggested they coming won. back. They said yes. They said, Good. you know, what would it take pay-wise? And I threw out a figure, and they said, okay, end of negotiations. I, I respected Phil Zacher. You hired me too much to go back and say, well, they made this officer. I said, let's just do this right. Yeah, clean yeah, break. Clean. Yeah. And, and Dale put it best. He said this on the air, so I'm not telling tales out of school. He always does. He said, okay, here's the thing. So you got a national audience. You work from home. You don't have to drive in here anymore. It's a lot less work. And you get paid more, and you're doing this. Why? Like, tell me again right, why. Right. So it was, it was, it was a tough break. I loved working with uh, with Ben and Andy and Michael and Dale and and talking See, about I sports. I understand every day. though, you didn't care for Dale's one of Dale's habits when he was on the air. I just took where cheese slices was it? in his loafers on the way to work. Yeah, I understand and, that yeah. you weren't a big fan of that. You know what? And I really thought that running a meth lab in the studio was like, is this really necessary? You can't do this yeah. at your place up in Papoose Pond. Uh, no, I don't know about the, I don't know about the cheese slices, but I, I learned a lot from those guys. I thought that we, we worked well together. We have yeah. three very different cats. I mean, t- trust me, there are times I said things and I thought, well, that's not a bad line, and. Saw that okay, that all I'd done is sort of offended these guys or whatever. Right. And I would say the thing to, I don't know, the guys in the bleachers at Fenway five minutes later, and they would they would get it or laugh or whatever. Right. But that's because but see, you got a guy from you Maine. Cared too a guy... much. That's what it was. You cared too much because I've always had the attitude: somebody doesn't like something I say. It's Akeem like, Olajuwon, like fuck him. <laughs> No, no, it's who is Akeem Olajuwon? We've I'm got sorry. Jeopardy on, on TV here. Ben, would you try to pay attention? It's hard no. for me not to be following along with Jeopardy too, Ben, and I'm going to crush I mean, the category of sports across America. You got into a, a little thing on the radio. Hey, well, you know, started on the radio. It was a Twitter thing uh, about this uh, Gen Royal restaurant. That it's called Table. Yes. And it's really good, according to you. And I've never been there, but Gen Royal has nice cans. 
So I thought I would just throw that in. You there. have no idea how good those things she are. She has a trust me. Bronze. Yeah. She has golden bozos. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, Je- Jen Royal, and I have said this to her face. Uh, she's as crazy as she is hot, and there's also not a better uh, friend to have. You know, you want her on your side. You don't want to cross her ever because she's an insane person. And I say yeah, that yeah. I say that coming from a place of love. So yeah, she starts his restaurant, Mikey. Where um, I was able to go to the premiere. It was the day of the AFC Championship game. I went there. She brought my my lovely uh, Irish Rose there and some friends. You're sitting. Uh, family style with complete strangers. So you're with your group, but you're also next to people you don't know, which you're either wired for that or you're not. I yeah, love that yeah. stuff. Like, well, I'm hanging out, we're talking and to Since you don't know them, you us. don't have to talk to them. No, you don't, but it's a fun gig. And, and it was, uh, yeah, so she does not have a liquor license. Right. And, uh, and that's what yeah. Alex, uh, she calls him the pissant reamer, uh, said, was kind of trying to make fun of the fact that she didn't have a liquor license, which is not easy to get in the north end of Boston, right? Right. She's waiting on one, and mm-hmm. she probably has to wait for, you know, somebody's liquor license to lapse or for them to go out Died. of business or whatever. Sure. Because, you know, that's what Boston needs is to limit how many places you can go and have a glass of wine with your wife. Like, yeah, that's going to bring in those tourist dollars, you little megalomaniacs. In the North End. Right, in right, exactly. You, you, you oligarchs who think, like, you have the right to tell people, business owners, whether or not they can sell a glass of wine to somebody who would like to buy a glass of wine, right. but whatever. So, right. yeah, she got some shade thrown at her for that by a guy who doesn't... Uh, Probably has never worked Matter. an honest day in his life, has ne- certainly never gone out on his own. She left a career in sports journalism where she's a smart chick who knows what she's talking about yeah. and could have been. I like to a- call him broads. You know, like, okay, <laughs> cupcakes. Uh, how about- ben, ben Kitchen calls them, uh, what do you call hot mamas? Dames. Dames. Okay, good. Well, that's up okay. to date. Why, why, hold on. Why always the full name? What do you mean? Why? Why do you always reference ben me by full name? What am I? Well, you, uh, from now on, I'll call you Benny. No, it's a sign of respect. It's no, like, no, no, I was just like, curious. No one, you ever know why? That, every time, it's like you have to reintroduce me every single his, time. His eyes look like piss holes in the snow, don't they? <laughs> look at them. Did you ever notice that nobody ever like refers to a football coach or certain quarterbacks by one name? Brett Favre was never called Favre in his entire That's career, true. and he played for like twenty years. They're like, well, Brett Favre. The thing about Brett Favre is, you know, mm. Brett Favre. Uh, maybe it's one of those things. Well, you know, if well, you're, if also, you're, you know, you're Bill I know Belichick I know out there on the sidelines. It's not a respect thing. I know that. It That's, sure is. And, and mm. listen, let me tell you something. When I say Ben Kitchen, it's like I, I'm just admiring my hero Mutt, who used to say, "Well, Lou Merloni," all the time on the show. Remember when he had the Mutt and uh, Lou show? And then you say, well, what do you think of this, Lou Maloney? And that's all I'm doing is I'm, I call you Ben Kitchen because it's easy. And it sounds better than just Ben. Ben could be anybody. It could be uh, Ben Grieve. It could be ben, o- ben Uncle Gr- Ben from the Box of Rice. could be I'm Ben delicious. Grimm from the Fantastic Four. It could be uh, Peter Parker's Gentle Uncle Ben. Gentle no, but ben. he was always Gentle Uncle Ben. They, he was never Ben Parker. Gentle ever. Ben the Bear from the TV series. See, that's why we're just letting people know which Ben we have in here. How's this for a deep pull? Ben the Rat from the movie with, with Ernest Borgnine. Ben, you're always running here and there. Of See, that's, the that's ben, where you had to go. your fur, it looks like tour. pubic hair. Ben Kitchen, do you have any ben. idea that that song exists and that there was a movie yeah, about yeah. a rat? Of course. Okay. 
right. Because I, I just I, I I think all the time. I try to filter because I'm writing stuff for keep in you mind. Know, a target audience that's like oftentimes 18 years old. And are they gonna get a reference? No, they don't that, get that, about a rat that's no. older than Ratatouille. You know, which yeah. probably came out when some of them were five years old. Way keep back. in mind, Napster. I, I, I was doing on Napster in high school, so you got everything. You found every piece of music you ever wanted at that point. Until those. Hey, you know what Michael Jackson loved about twenty-nine-year-olds? What's that? There were twenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So I have this Irish joke. You ready for this? I'm dying to. Yes. You like jokes? You're a jokester. I'm ready to be offended because it's 2019. Well, Michael. I'm Irish. I'm half. So these two Irish guys go into a bar and they're shit-faced. They're drinking. <laughs> happens once in a while. One of them gets so drunk he pukes on his shirt. He goes, oh, I'm screwed. I'm not supposed to be drinking. My wife's going to kill me. I, the other guy goes, here's what you do. Put $20 in your pocket, and when you get home, tell, you, tell your wife O'Reilly puked on your shirt and gave you $20 for the dry cleaning. He says, it's a great idea. So they keep drinking, and he's all fucked up. And he gets home, he walks in, his wife says, look at you, you bum. You puked on your shirt. You're disgusting. He says, I did not. O'Reilly did, and he gave me $20 for the dry cleaning. It's right here in my pocket. She reaches in his pocket, pulls out. She goes, that's $40. He says, well, he's shitting my pants, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so you're Irish, and you're from Weymouth, where my son was born. Yes, I am. So, so talk slow. Yeah. The, uh, as we like to call it, the gateway to Abington. It is that, it yeah, is that. that yeah. Bucolic little suburb on the on the south shore. It's on the way to Cardinal Spellman. Yes, we actually had a coastline. We had Wasagasset Beach where I spent just about every day of the summers of my childhood and because I swam in it, I am now immortal. And you did. like it was either I was either going to grow a third eye in the middle of my forehead or now nothing can kill me. Like like if there's a problem in a nuclear uh, plant, they just I can just walk right into the into the reactor and just pull out whatever they need me to pull out because I swam in, in, in the beach at Wayne. Yep, you turned it all around with that yep. one move. Uh, now, what made you make the move to stand? Now, let's simplify that question. What made you? <laughs> okay, um, I brought a copy of Our Bodies Ourselves for you, uh, Ben, because I know you're a little bit rusty mm. on this, but mm -hmm. a man and a woman meet, and that was so long meet? ago, I forget. Stuff I don't know, happens. so long ago for me, yeah. What, what made me do stand-up was I eventually got to the point where I was more afraid of trying it and failing than I was of not trying it, because too many times people in my life mm -hmm. had said, do you do stand-up? And I'm no, it's just you're a funny the bastard. Way well, I, you know, I mean, uh, uh, everyone's an acquired taste. Yeah. Thank you, I appreciate it because yeah. you're you're one of my favorites. Always Mikey, have and been. I appreciate and a very you, real. It. It's a very real funny. It's not forced. It's it just comes seems to come from some place in your mind. Yeah, you know what? I grew up uh, youngest of five in a funny household, and you had to be uh, have some kind of an edge, some ability to break through the noise. And I loved. Um, George Carlin albums and geez, you know, even like kind of an esoteric guy like uh, like Woody Allen, like a pre-pervert Woody Allen. Like we had his albums. Is there and, such a thing? Yeah, I'm going way back. You know, um, watch stand-up specials or whatever, and and liked it. But I just thought I'm not gonna do that. When people said you ought to try it, I was like, what? I'm not gonna try that. Well, you know what Woody I, liked I, about 29-year-old uh, Japanese girls? <laughs> <laughs> 
but only the ones that are related to them by, <laughs> by, by marriage. By marriage. Yeah. So I, I eventually went to like an open mic show to see. Well, let, where was it? See. Where was that? Uh, I was at Nick's Comedy Stop downtown. Yep. Uh, uh, the, the Neyland Street there. What year was down this? Down the theater district. So this is the about like probably 1989, mm. and I saw guys doing it. And I'm like, you, you, you know, you got five minutes to do that, and they'll let anybody get up on stage. And I'm like. That guy's good, but is he that funny? Is he funnier than my friends? Is he? Could I not write a five-minute bit better than that? So I decided to try it, and there, you know, it comes with a bit of a story, I guess. And that they booked me for Labor Day night of 1990. And to your listeners, don't let the fact that it's now 29 years later, and you have no idea who I am, and my career went has gone no place, and I'm working Quan's Kitchen and Food 53 in Hanover this Saturday. Don't let that fool you. I've been doing it for a long time. And, Spare um, ribs are good. Yeah, they are. It's a good kitchen. It is really, you know, and it's it's a nice little room. But come for the food, stay for the dick jokes. Um, <laughs> but so I wrote five minutes of stuff, and everybody I ever met in my entire life was there. Again, this is Nick's comedy stop. They had me on last because they the the host told me if you um, go up, then. 90% of the crowd's going to leave, so, you know, we're going to keep you to the end. <laughs> and I was totally stress-balling. And before I went up, my one of my brothers pulls me aside and he goes, hey, here's the thing. If uh, you fail, and this is terrible, you get up there and you, and this is a comedy expression, eat your own dick on stage, I'm going to call you Nick for the rest of your life. I just want you to know that. I'm like, Nick. Awesome, awesome, thank you. And I went up there. Why? The f- Punishment. Because it was Nick's comedy stop. He just oh. wanted to never let me forget All right, the time enough. I went up there and suffered okay, horribly. Right, right. So I got up there, and it was the first time all day like I a felt. brutal industry yeah. to be in. It's worse than radio. Yes. You have to eat dicks? <laughs> we've, all, we've all taken a bite out of our own penises on stage. Believe me, my friend. Damn, not without flexible. yoga lessons. So I went up there and like the first time I felt all um, uh, first time I felt comfortable all day was when I got on the microphone and there were people off to the side who were not my friends and they were laughing and I said okay I I can do this yeah and five minutes isn't that much time and afterwards the host pulled me aside he says I think one out of every ten people who comes up here for the first time can make it I think you're one of those ten here's a couple things you want to avoid that joke because that's sort of common and that's been done before but you might want to all right, all right cool and so um, I then a couple of weeks later I met a woman who I was dating and I went and saw her. Uh, Cross, um, the the guy from uh, from David Cross. David Cross was yeah. the host. It was a catch a rising star in Cambridge, and it was the third time I'd ever been on stage. And some complete stranger was yelling at the stage, "Put Jerry back up! At least he's funny." This oh show's yeah, like, and, I, and I was like, "Okay." He said that while Cross was on stage. Yes, I mean, and. Yeah. This yeah, chick I was with was, anyway. like, duly impressed, and she married me. So there we go. But, but David was very cross. Yes. Yeah. All right, he, so it was late 80s, early 90s so in Boston. So is when I started, yeah. Okay, 1990s. So you have David Cross in town, Louis C.K. in town, yep. Marin still in town, already in New York? You've kind of a... I think he had already moved on. Rogan. Um, Rogan. I uh, I opened for Rogan. I loved Rogan from the beginning because he was a guy that comics loved him because he was utterly without fear. If you can imagine that, I mean, you, you listen to the stuff he does now, and you go, well, he was always that way, right? I remember he did a bit about. Remember the show Life Goes On. 
Yes. About when they canceled Life Goes On. And this was his bit. It was like, so they go, yeah, Corky, uh, Corky, yeah, we're canceling the show. What? Yeah, yeah, show's canceled, Corky. What? No more show? No. And, like, the audience was horrified every time he did it. And we'd be in the back, like, crying, laughing, like, no more limousines. No more blowjobs. No more lick it like you love it. Like, and he was so reviled but so fearless. And, and uh, yeah, so that was great. He was he was there. Um Obviously, Sweeney and and I mean uh, Leno was still making regular appearances. Yeah, but I was, I was more time, thinking of the people that were yeah, like up and coming at the, the time, up. not Leary yeah, or uh, um, Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah, uh, Tom Cotter. Um, oh, uh, he came actually a few um, years later. Patrice O'Neill, God rest his soul. Oh, one like, of the best. I worked with him at a place up in Southern Maine, so it was like drivable. We came back that night. The the Booker just didn't get that this guy might be newer but he's still better than me and he had him open for oh, me Christ. and i i held my own i was so freaking proud because he was because he of would course. burn a room to the ground with just his energy and the mfers and all yeah, that but other he was stuff. okay with it too yeah oh god he was great yeah. and i loved him and he somehow he fit into my subaru and because like, he was a <laughs> massive guy we stopped on the way home from mcdonald's i remember like he bought about 50 dollars worth of stuff which is sad now because he died of diabetes but I mean, I dropped them off off of Malnia Cass Boulevard, yep. and everywhere I was trying to get home at 3 in the like morning was all, right like, just one-way streets going the opposite way, and it's just, like, but that, that was a, a great learning experience. Back then, I would work any room, steakhouses across from strip joints and Chinese restaurants on a Tuesday night, and it just, you know, guys like me, a bunch of us broke in and were hungry, and we would work any friggin' room in the world, but yep. I never really had that burning desire like i want to be a touring comic i had met the right girl and didn't want i took a short tour away from home i was like yeah this is not for me i just i just want to work local rooms and work with comics i like and have fun did um louis ck jerk off in front of you no and i asked him to several times no Uh, because i I mean who doesn't want to see it come on pull out those ginger pubes well he would work any any room too you know yeah (laughs) were you were you aware plants i never actually met him and i don't know if i would have caught on to what a genius he is you know what i mean or at least how how much did you you know you just said you did a show with patrice but how much did you converse with those other guys that are you know, famous now. You know what? If I ever cross paths with, say, um, uh, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. I, I don't specifically remember. I, oh, oh uh, here's a, a story. I can uh, there was, completely I won, understand that. I won the BCN Comedy Riot. It was an annual competition for uh, just newcomers. Up and, and coming comics. 50 guys got in it, and they pare that down to like uh, 16, and then they have a finals. And I was hoping, you know, if I made a finals, that'd be really cool. So I was up against Palm Nardizzi, who has done, like, Conan and shit. And he's sure. a friend. And he was the first guy to ever pay me. And I ended up winning the whole thing. But I was doing a lot of local stuff. And they said, oh, I don't know if we can book you in New York or whatever. Like, I wasn't looking for that. I was just trying to win the friggin' thing or whatever. Yeah. But I got I got serious uh, work. The group that won it the year after me, and it was a group, was called Alan the Monkeys. That was um, Bobby Kelly, and uh, um, and what I'm I'm flaking on his on his name. Uh, okay, the the sells out arenas. Uh, Dane Cook. Dane Cook. Yeah, yeah I was Dane. I was gonna go to sorry, ste- sorry. Ste- No, yeah, I'm just flaking on names. Uh, I was gonna go to the stepbrother saying, "Come on, honey, Dane Cook, pay per view, <laughs> twenty minutes, let's go." 
And uh, yeah, they ended up winning the following year. And then Dean Cook like blew up, and obviously Bobby Kelly did too. Yeah. I have the distinction of saying that I have rented porn videos from Dane Cook. I was living in North at his, Cambridge. At his I was living in North Cambridge, and no, he was working at the video store, and he talked about this in his act right on Mass Ave because he was from Arlington. Yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, it was the, it was the old days with VHS, and they'd have yeah, that room in yeah. the back with the with the uh, oh yeah the, the swinging doors, and the box would be a different color than like you know you you go okay here's a copy of uh, the the Water Boy with Adam Sandler, and here's uh, Goodwill Humping, you know, and here's here's pretty <laughs> shaving sh- Ryan's private. Yeah, Pretty shitty gangbang. Okay, let's <laughs> let's take that. So, Star Wars, <laughs> available on the VHS. Um, so, I'm going to mention a, a few comedians, some uh, of my favorites, and sure. just give me like a, a one sentence synopsized version of how you feel about them. Sure. Okay, uh, obviously George Carlin, a absolute genius, and is he uh, the best, arguably the best of of all time. And one thing I liked about him is his stuff was so. Smart. I mean, like late in his career, he was. I mean, he did this bit about that there were jokes in there, but the, his underlying premise was okay, World War One, we called it shell shock. All right. You knew it. You were shocked from the shells. By World War Two, it was battle fatigue. And then they called it something else in Korea. It goes, by Vietnam, it was post traumatic stress disorder. We added more syllables and more words to the point where we don't know what the hell it was. And if we just called it what it is, we would have given these guys the help they need. I'm like, that is so genius. And yet somehow in that rant, he worked in some actual Make it laughs. Funny. Yeah. yeah right. Like like a guy who if he had gone into like I don't know, medicine, we probably would have cured cancer, but yeah. he, he gave the world that genius of his wit and how he, his thing was he looked at things and looked for them to be, like, out of kilter. He looked at everything yes. differently than any other human that ever walked on right. this earth. He would look at something straight and see if it was out of kilter, and if something was straight, he'd turn out of kilter until it had right. a, a weird take on it, right. and so I listened to all his albums as a kid. Sam Kinison. Loved him, and I and he's... he's he was a contemporary of Andrew Dice Clay. Guys would repeat his stuff. Oh, it's so funny, so edgy. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, that's moronic. Sam Kinison's stuff is just as vulgar, but he's saying stuff. Like, one of my favorite bits he ever did. Boy, you talk about a guy who memorized all his bits. He did the thing about it. It's so politically incorrect, but it's just flat out funny. Those commercials for... This is Haji. He's starving, and the yes, desert right. send him food. I'm like, I'm sitting in my living room. It's the desert. Like, hey, you, you, you feed him. You're five feet away hey, from him. Give him a sandwich. Hey, hey, right, we here, have come t- here. He goes, come here. You know what this is? It's sand. You know what it's <laughs> going to be 100 years from now? It's sand. Right. sand. We have deserts in America. We don't live in them. Get them on the back uh, of the yeah. bus and take them where the food is. Yeah. And, uh, like, yeah, another guy that – and proof that you can be vulgar as hell as long as it's clever and funny. Right. As long as it has a point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not just kind. hickory dickory dock. Hey, oh, whoa, it's a dirty book. It's a dirty rhyme. I like when Dice Clay says, so I'm banging this chick doggy style. She turns to me and says, don't you even care about me as a person? So I says, okay, what's your name? <laughs> she says, Laurie. I said, Laurie, you want to move your head? You're blocking a TV. <laughs> he said one thing they ever actually liked, and it was, hey, you two guys on the front, you guys named Neil and Bob, yeah. or is that just what right. you do? <laughs> what about you, Ben? Your favorite comedian of all time? Favorite? Yeah. Uh, I can always watch Chappelle. I think he's the best storyteller. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and, um. and everything is hilarious coming out of his mouth. Burr is fantastic. I can mm-hmm. always go back to the Philly rant anytime I just need to quick pick-me-up. Raymond fantastic. Burr? Bill Burr. 
<laughs> Raymond Burr. Everyone in the podcast <laughs> audience is going, Raymond, Raymond you, you Burr. Raymond Court, courtroom procedurals from the 1950s. He does know who Raymond yeah, Burr is. Yeah, who's the smartest man now, bitch? Smitty, I thought it was just you and me that they're, knew this stuff. They're on IMDb going, he was in Godzilla? Was that the one that had Brian Cranston? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I, the, the funniest yeah. comic I've ever seen live, and it was pre-sitcom, but he was already nationally known, like he was doing The Tonight Show and stuff, was Seinfeld. The, yeah. the, the hardest I've ever laughed in one night was Seinfeld. And when I say it was clean, no, it was antiseptic. And like everything he said... You could tell in a elementary school. It was all like, you know, right, Seinfeld's right. like, where does the sock go in the dryer? I'd like to know. It's like it clings to the back of a sweater and makes an escape. A dog sticks his head out of the window. He's like, well, if I could run this fast, I'd be king of the dogs. And yet it was all Family, clever and it was he, all brilliant. And, and to walk that line, especially in this day and age when the shock factor of almost the necessity of putting in something either dirty or, or you know, that's a swear-oriented situation – he, I don't know how you do that anymore. There were guys in the old days. You know, you had your Shelley Bermans of the world. You had your Bill Cosby's who, who didn't curse or swear or talk about any or, or work blue. I guess it's called. Yep. Right? Uh, and they somehow, you know, kind of started the whole comedy album thing. But this in this day and age with YouTube, you, it's a different world. Sure, I, but there's also this this misnomer, and it's carried on by like older people, like. Yeah, we didn't have comics like that when I was a kid. Oh, sure you did. Of course you did. Yeah, I mean, Richard Pryor is often considered the best comic of all yeah. time. Red Fox. My, my brother, Red Fox, if you want to go back, Buddy Hackett. Like my, he was filthy. Yeah, my brother had a uh, an album that was Richard Pryor, and it starts off by saying, all right, we're going to talk about fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I'm supposed to sit there and say, no, at some point, at some undefined Date in the past, all of a sudden comics started talking about sex on on stage. No, it's since the ancient Greeks, people were cracking jokes about have sex because you know what? Because sex is funny. And I try to work PG thirteen. I think it's just sort of my best yeah, comfort sure. zone. But sometimes you read a crowd and you go, okay. Specifically when you're following Patrice O'Neill and you just go, okay, I can't sit there and go, you know, hey, I look like Smithers from The Simpsons, it's got to be, I look like fucking Smithers from The Simpsons. And then to get that response, you don't have to always, but, you know, I, I know, like, I got friends who have bumped into a wall because, you know, they can't get on Comedy Central or whatever because all their stuff is sexual, including, like, moms, yeah. you know, but yeah. they're hilarious and people love them. Like, they go to see their shows and they want to build a statue to them, but then the Montreal Comedy Festival goes, I don't really know because you're kind of talking about getting anal from your husband or right. whatever. Okay, <laughs> but is it funny? Is it funny? Yes, it's objectively hilarious. Are you at all uh, shocked? No, maybe that's not the right word. Surprised, amazed? By what's happened with Barstool as an entity? I mean, I know you were yeah. in the early part yep. of it and helped put the thing, but then it just became this burgeoning, weird, crazy. I mean, this guy, El Presidente, is as talented at getting attention for himself and the website right. as anybody I've ever seen in my life, except maybe Minahan. <laughs> no, nobody can touch what Barstool does. No, it's as unbelievable. As just, I mean, like, this is three years in a row. Where we went to the biggest sporting event in America and dominated the news cycle. Became the story. Right. Three years ago, Mike Florio of Pro, uh, Pro Football Talk said right. 
Barstool being banned from Super Bowl week was the number one story of Super Bowl week. Two Super Bowls later, and he's getting physically removed from security at the game. He right. bought a ticket, and it's like, Roger Goodell, you dope. Like, if he didn't exist, we would have had to invent him because he's so, like, ham-handed and so, like, unself-aware that he thinks this is a good thing and is going to, like, not make him look like a feckless tyrant that he that he is. So um, as far as how big we've gotten, yeah, listen, I— um. I used to, like I mentioned at the earlier in the show, I hoped that it would someday make some pocket money for me. I worked for Dave for a long time for no money, and I was happy to do it just because I thought, you know, maybe this will lead somewhere. Well, I went from surprised that anybody heard of us to one of the other writers saying he had it on good authority that when we were just a newspaper, guys in Theo Epstein's front office were reading us, and we had influence right. in the, our opinions yeah, and now stuff. Now you know you're doing right. something. Then we started throwing the parties, and that was a whole other layer of stuff. And we've got a documentary out, if you're a member of Barstool Gold, that's coming out in, in stages, and it talks about these early days. I remember we went to a party. It was at Quincy Bay Marina. It was the white party, so it was a really nice night in, like, June or whatever. And looked around, and me and the other writers said, Holy crap, what have we been part of creating? Because it was like a Vegas party. It was massive. There were like, you know, Leanne Tweeden. You know, remember she was always on the cover of like Maxim and HFM and stuff. Well, I banged her. Of course, you could tell. Like she was. But when she she, was still hot. She's like, I'm not going to use my hotness and influence right. on my magazine covers to not bang Mikey Adams. Right, well, I'm like, standing, uh, sitting right there. I need that Mikey D. And, um, yeah, there were, like, girls making out with each other, and uh, I, I was in the proximity of two of them and got removed, even though they were, like, my guests, and the security saw me out. I'm like, what have we that's become? Huge. That's huge. And then we just c- kind of kept gaining traction. Wait, hold on. Pause. These two girls were making out. Yes. You were... Standing there gawking, I presume. Uh, holding and, their and phones because they said, hold our phones and take pictures. And they were like, there were boobs out. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And then yeah. you got removed? Did you go up yes. skirts? Yeah. Why, why did you get removed? Uh, because the security apparently, uh, security apparently didn't have a problem with them. Just me being there you with them. slack jawed. Yeah. Yes. And now I With all two I wanted, phones in one hand yeah, taking says, pictures. That's not my phone. Yeah. And all I wanted to do was to give them their phones back and go home. Sure you did. But I couldn't contact them because why? I had their phones. Yeah, their phones. And so I was stuck outside for like an hour. And Portnoy's just like, really? It's always the last guy you'd think. Because, you know, these kids were all like in like early 30s. And I was already in my 40s and had like a wife and kids. And so I, it was always an odd fit. And now like um, Cause they felt comfortable eight, eight years old. And our audience went from. 30-year-old cubicle monkeys that are underpaid and overworked, and we're just trying to give these guys some laughs during the course of their day, to college kids, and that was a breakthrough, to, like, when I was debating leaving EEI, I started listening to EEI's um, ads a little more closely, and I realized it was all for, like, old people stuff, you know, like, um, like, uh, Daytime TV, you know, it was all like you yeah, know weight ED, loss and ED medicine, it, yeah, penis medicines yeah. and stuff. And I was like, what, what's next? Like reverse mortgages and that cane that stands up by itself. Well, it's called the hurricane. Day, the hurricane. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's almost as good as Pretty Polly, the fake parakeet. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is really fucked up. <laughs> Look at my parakeets. It's fake. You know, my ex-girlfriend had one of those. Uh, and, and she's also seen a cockatoo. What are you, what are you watching like... like uh... Like Matlock during the day. Well, let me but, ask you this, though. Never mind so, all this high society you know, but, stuff. But quickly, I, and then around that time, I stayed with some friends. I was off promoting the book, From Darkness to Dynasty, The First 40 Years of the Patriots. And their son had a barstool flag in his room, and he was 15 years old. And I said, this is God's way of telling me this is your target audience here. Did I mention that Jerry Thornton is an author? Yes, and he did write that unbelievable Patriots book. And, and we, then we have something in common. You know, He wrote that book, and I I've read a book. Oh, guys! Hey, I I wrote another one, Five Rings, which now that puts me ahead of the books I've actually written. Right, uh, read. I mean, I've written, I've published two, and Five Rings. Read one. Five Rings sounds like the the labia of a biker chick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got us at a disadvantage there, Michael. Like how many? Uh... But never mind this highfalutin, high society Shoot, stuff. What yeah. was it like? Was it a career thrill for you to actually be able to work day to day, every single day, five days a week with? Ben Kitchen. It was incredible. It was, it was, he's it was, a hell of a it producer. Was, it, was, it was magical. You know, and mm -hmm. like I try mm -hmm. to live a sin-free life and ask forgiveness for all my mistakes just because I feel heaven is going to be the sound of Ben in my ear mm -hmm. like telling, telling me that I have no talent. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, you, did, oh, you got, a, got a lot of that. Yeah, uh, Big Andy. And I don't ben, know if ben, I said you have no talent. Big Andy and Ben were <laughs> your were, talent were is limited. Best. Is probably a more <laughs> accurate description. I'd say the two best producers uh, in the building. Those two, no question about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't think of anyone who came within a million miles. Of them. Look, Patio. Patio is a good guy, but these guys were looking at, and I, I, Ben can confirm this. I said, look, tell me what I'm doing here, because I, I like, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take coaching. You know, yeah, to, you didn't need it ahead. though. You, Go you, ahead, you tell, had a natural, tell me such a good coach. He was out of the business like, in I two had, years. I had Patio. He was straight with me. Patio as, as a producer. Producers are key parts to these these radio shows. And I know that the guy who's in the morning, who I saw a Twitter picture of, him, was Chris. What's his name? The morning producer, uh, Cur Chris Curtis, and he looked like a skeleton. Uh, when I played golf with him three years ago on the golf course with John Dennis and Kirk and Jerry Callahan and. This guy was a an overblown, swollen, red-faced bag of pus. I mean, he was on the golf course. He looked like he was going to just explode, and like that guy in that movie, uh, the uh, the Monty Python movie, that just blows up. <laughs> Mr. Creosote. And now well, I, I think I saw, in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I saw a picture of him on Twitter, uh, and his uh, head total recall. It's a skull on a on a bag of bones now, yeah. and he looks like he's emaciated and dying of something. Well, he looks better than he did before. A lot of people have left that Gross. station. A lot of people. I left kind of unceremoniously after 23 years of diligent efforts on their behalf. Um, you know, yeah. but it wasn't because I did anything particularly wrong. They didn't tell me that I did. It's, you know, Kirk wanted Mutt to have my job. So fucking happened. That's all. But they didn't have, I didn't get a gold watch. I was pissed about that. I figured after 23 years, they got to give me something, some kind of little going away party. No, they locked me out. <laughs> really? Because I got a I got a hand jibber on the way out. You did? Yeah, like just yeah. I mean, it was from Ben. It wasn't that good. I mean, it wasn't giving me it, his A game. Trust me, it wasn't company mandated. <laughs> well, that I, was, I need a make do because that, that thing was, was that was like a listen, that was like a C minus. It was charity. You get what you get. Yeah. But let's do this. How, so, how bitter were you when you were let go? Well, I was pissed because of the the, the, the surprise factor. But I'm going to do a whole show on that, a whole podcast about that, where I unmask 
the mutt man. That's coming up. Yeah, for all the false falseness in his personality and his, yeah, I call him the pathetic poison pill pecker head from Pepperell. And you're going to get into that night, the the night in question, the whole thing, the everything whole thing. just went completely yeah. sideways because it was and falsely represented. And, I, and my career, but by the way, I'm all, I'm totally over it because my career is is gone. But <laughs> but here's the thing: I want to just make sure people are straight about what really happened. That's all, you know. That's all, and, and with no with malice toward only mud. And Kirk. And Phil Zachary and Kevin Graham. and <sighs> You mad at me for breaking it up? Oh, the fight? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the fight with Kirk. Well, yeah, we're going to... No, I wasn't involved in that. I was involved with the the incident with Mutt. Remember, it was four of us involved in that. Did it almost get physical? The person on the board <laughs> yeah. who ended up walking out because he was like, I'm not dealing with this shit, nuh-uh. And he... <laughs> Andy sits down to take it because somebody's got to run the fucking board. Yeah, right, right. And all of a sudden, I get the call in my office. Hey, come here right now. Walk in. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck is this? I know. No kidding. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, don't take offense by what I'm about to say, but I'm riding home, and I wasn't listening to the show. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like I talked about sports a lot that week, and it's a Friday, and I'm, I don't know, I'm listening to a podcast we, we, no, or you Blair were Music or whatever. Pillow, pillow Talk on and, Magic. I get a text from a neighbor who says, who are these two guys on your station that are screaming at each other? Right. And I immediately go back, and it's commercial. And, it, you know, it's commercial. I'm like, what? what's going on? Yeah. I have no idea. And all I caught was, like, the aftermath. Did they scrub all those? Well, it was basically scripted by Kirk. Uh, you know, he had kind of pumped up much to do this uh, to me based on a false story about how I supposedly tried to get him fired. You know, and obviously worked real well, and Mutt's still there, <laughs> and I'm not. But we'll tell. I'll give you all the details. Oh yeah, you, let's not do be the regular, show before the show. You're gonna be a regular listener to the podcast now, right? Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. No, this is this just, is, just this episode though. Just He's gonna one. listen to this one right. over and over right. and over. Fuck and, the other ones. And by the way, can I get a tape of this of just my parts? <laughs> just take all the Ben right out of it. I don't get to listen to myself enough. Jerry Thornton, one of my favorite people ever to work in the radio business with me. And he only had a two-year run. It was like we hardly knew you. But I thought it was great. I listened every single day. You added something to that show that w- without your a- addition to that show, I wouldn't have listened. Um, and that's a good thing. And, I, you know, the, 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 uh, the Barstool thing is huge. You're yeah. a great guy. I hope you're selling a million books, and we want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, because I think I'm, uh, it's pretty official. I'm no longer welcome at uh, EEI. You know, I, after I left, they said, stay in our good graces. Stay here. We want you to fill in. I said, great. That's terrific. And I was doing a, an NFL Sunday morning thing with Pete Shepard, which was a blast. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And then baseball season came. Okay, cool. Well, we'll hear from them again. And then just crickets yeah. like the homeless guy who lives out back behind the dumpster uh is doing f- uh, four hours on a saturday <laughs> but not not this kid so i clearly uh i i i clearly crossed some line somewhere writing a blog about one of their hosts collins the uh, five-year-old girl a pissant yep. or the anniversary of john tomasi writing uh the the spygate thing and I burned bridges. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not welcome there anymore. Right. Clearly, so. Well, they clearly have a genius running the programming there now. So. Yeah, I'm sure. The, I'm sure the ratings are through the roof, <laughs> and they're doing exactly what they want to do. Listen, I, I, I have, like you said, malice towards none. 
you know, but yep. I'm I'm thrilled to be part of this little family here, this little rocket ship to the moon. It's good. And we appreciate your being in here. Uh we got four four intercom intercom people in the same room at the same time and you know, and and nothing but goodwill. Good luck to you, Jerry. Hey, Mikey, uh Ben Smitty, thanks for having me on, man. This is this is great. Continued success to you guys. Jerry Thornton, everybody.